the LSAT Boss. I'm your host, Shauna Ginsberg. Um, and Shauna, I have something very exciting to tell you. Okay, I'm 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 dying to know. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I made a TikTok. I am like super excited about this because I got a little bit into TikTok a few weeks ago, and so now I have made one um, about LSATs and studying, so I'm excited for you to see it. I just sent it to you. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to play it. I'm going to go ahead and push play. Let's see if everybody gets a, a first listen at our very first Trudell TikTok for our new in, our, our new TikTok page. Okay, push play. Let's go ahead. There we go. Okay, so it says a 164 on your page, mm-hmm. and then yeah. it says 16 missed calls, and then pay me like a white man, and then a 177. Yeah, so here is the, like, the trend, and I can change the picture at the end, um, but the idea is, like, so the trend is, like, you show, like, a before and an after picture. A lot of people used to talk about, like, their fitness journey and stuff, uh-huh. but I think it's, like, I, I actually really like the idea of, like, celebrating like other kinds of journeys like it's not like there are different things that you can do right like different goals you can have like it's not just health it could also be like doing really really well in the LSAT so that's like kind of what this is it's like you know you start off like you're studying you're trying really hard to track any results that you want to see and then you just really put in all the work you put in the time and then you get the result that you want um so that's kind of the idea of the the trend um and that's like how it um how it relates back. So. Okay, so I love that you just had to explain to my old self what, what trendy was um, and why that video was a good video to go on TikTok, and that's why I'm firing myself for managing our TikTok account. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's awesome. Like on, the trends are hard to keep on top of. I deleted my TikTok like for like a couple of weeks one time while I was doing applications. Like I couldn't do both, um, and I came back, and all the trends were different, so... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I'm sure there's something new and trendy already since, you know, 10 seconds ago. So I'm just not keeping up with things as quick as possible. But you know what's not trendy? And I just kind of love that it's not trendy. You know, traditional logical reasoning. Not trendy. People don't study it regularly. Nobody's passionate about it like I am. And sometimes I like things that never are either in style or out of style. They're, they're just Winnie the Pooh. They just are. You know, logical reasoning. That's my safe space. Uh, be cool. I could just sit around and get super excited when somebody discovers that unless turns into if not, and then they can create a contrapositive and develop an inference from it. I mean, that's a good day for me. It doesn't take much, Trudeau. And, I mean, I, I think that can be turned into something super trendy and exciting. Of course, I, that of is course you would. <laughs> um, it's to take a logical reasoning and make it trendy and super hip. Law school talk is actually pretty, um, there's a lot going on there. So, um, it's, it's cool. Well, I'm see. I think it's cool. I mean, I think when people hit really high scores, I'm like, oh my god, you're such a nerd. I'm so proud of you. And then people smile with pride. We just need to bring back nerd. Nerd is good. Nerd is very good. I am proud of nerds. I want everybody to be a nerd. A high-flying, high-scoring nerd. Yes, so, so let me, let, let's nerd out on the next lesson. And you might be surprised that I'm calling this the next lesson, but uh, parallels 
are taught the same way by Trudell and I, uh, whether they're flawed parallels or, or reasoning parallels. So we call them parallel the flaw, parallel the reasoning. And these questions are historically undertaught and discouraged. For I don't know why, probably because generally they're quite time-consuming time for people who don't have really good test-taking strategy in this question type. Um, so I guess I do know why. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I had to learn parallels, I was kind of taught skip them. Um, generally, I think people come at them with a lot of anxiety and panic. But that's why we created the parallel, the flaw and parallel, the reasoning lesson, because you can actually use tools that you already have in your toolbox, like the MITS analysis, M-I-T-S, that mnemonic that we created in, in the inference lesson to reflect modifiers, intensifiers, transition words, and structural clues. They were trying to match in the inference answer choice and relate it back semantically to the language in the, the argument or the stimulus, whatever you call it. Um, so we're using the same technique to parallel one argument with another. And the truth is, it doesn't actually matter if the original argument is flawed, because as one of my students said a few years to me, a, a few years ago to me, you know, the parallel of the flaws are really easy as long as you ignore all the layers of wrong. And, and she's right. If you don't stop to try to identify the kind of flaw it is, you can just match the structure and ignore that it's flawed. For example, if I say, if I study hard, then I'll do well on my test. I didn't study hard, so I'm not going to do well on my test. That's a flaw. What that does is it goes from an antecedent to a consequent. If I study hard, then I do well on my test. And if I come after that and I go, uh, therefore, if I don't study hard, that's, that's squiggle. That's squiggle the antecedent, that's the opposite of the antecedent, we call that denying the antecedent, but that, that's illegal in the logical reasoning world. We can't deny the antecedent. We can affirm the antecedent. We can say, oh, in a world where we know the rule is if I study hard, hard then I do well on my test, then if I study hard, that's affirming the antecedent, that's P, then we can expect Q. So it doesn't actually matter if it's flawed and it says if P then Q not P, therefore not Q. Because as long as you find that same flaw elsewhere, you know, if I churn out dope TikTok videos, then my followers will grow. I didn't churn out dope TikTok videos, so my followers won't grow. That parallels the flaw because I deny the antecedent and that structurally matches up. It's the same causal type argument it's the same causal flaw so i don't think parallels are super hard as long as you know what to look for you're just making sure that the modifiers the intensifiers the transition words and the structural elements line up and here you can clearly see how that structural element lines up do you think that they're as easy as i'm making them out to be trudel I do. I mean, I think one of the things, too, that we um, talk about, uh, I want to say much earlier on in the curriculum, that I think can really help here is if an answer is partially right and partially wrong, then it is 100% wrong. And so if you see something that in an answer choice that like sort of really doesn't match back to the original stimulus, um, then even if the rest of it is really appealing to you for some reason, it's still wrong. Um, and you can use that to really kind of cross out answers and more quickly 
um, you know, than you otherwise might really just move through those answer choices um, and then, you know, get to that point where you do all that, that matching um, and, and stuff. So I, so I think that there's definitely not only a way to easily kind of strategize and get them done, but also to really work through those answer choices in a reasonably fast way um, that makes them sort of work the time. Yeah, yeah. It's just easy to know that these are the ways that arguments become not parallel, so that's what you're looking out for. So, for example, there's an argument that talks about somebody making phone calls, and there are long-distance calls and domestic calls, and there are prices for long-distance calls and prices for domestic calls. So, Suppose a phone company charges eight cents for domestic calls and all other calls are 10 cents per minute. And then you discover that Trudell did not make an eight cent an hour or an eight cent a minute call. Well, then since we eliminated that first option, then we have to include the second option that if she did make a call, and she must have made a 10 cent per minute call. And what's interesting about this example is if we call the first option, the 8 cent option, the domestic call option, if we call that A and we call the other option B, then essentially the logic here has been if not A, or if, if we're assuming not A happens, or we eliminate A, then we're leaning on and selecting option B. And a wrong answer will do something that looks very similar, but it's slightly different because the wrong answer might eliminate B instead and say Trudell did not make a 10-second call, so therefore she must have made an 8-second call. And it would, it would parallel, it, 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 would, it would go in that choice order first. That would be wrong. So if we're paralleling, rather than talking about eight second, eight cent, and ten second, ten cent calls, oh, I keep saying cent instead of second, and vice versa. Um, let's say we were talking about hamburgers, and a parallel would be Trudell has an option to get an eight dollar hamburger or a ten dollar hamburger. She didn't get the eight dollar hamburger, therefore she ended up getting the ten dollar hamburger. That would parallel. What wouldn't parallel would be Trudell was considering getting an eight dollar hamburger or a ten dollar hamburger. Trudell decided to not get a $10 hamburger, so she got an $8 hamburger. Another non-parallel would be Trudell was deciding between an $8 or a $10 hamburger. She chose the $10 hamburger, so she's not going to get the $8 hamburger. So I could select or eliminate one of the other options to make it wrong. And I think people have a hard time with that until they see what they have to do. Because what Trudeau was talking about is, is, you know, when these look really, really similar, it could just be really overwhelming for people because things can really look right until you dig a little bit deeper and discover that one word that makes it wrong, that one not, that flipping of the order. That's all it takes. One really important thing, too, is that sometimes, like this um, diagramming out of how the argument structure actually works, is super important to be able to revisit because sometimes uh, the test makers will actually switch the order of the sentences. So they won't say, you know, Trudell was choosing between a $10 and $8 hamburger. Instead, they'll say, Trudell chose an $8 hamburger. She was choosing between a $10 and $8 hamburger. And so by flipping it in that way, they could disguise a right answer or make a wrong answer look more appealing in a way that can make it a little bit harder unless you kind of just diagram it out and really stick to that understanding of the logical structure. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, diagramming 
and that's something that we introduced back in the inference lesson. You know, when there when there's groups, you want to kind of show those groups like a decision making tree or like a like a family tree where it branches off. But if you have a sequence, you want to show the order of things. A leads to B leads to C. So diagramming is really helpful, especially to to pull away from the order that's been presented to you and put the sentences in the order that they appear. You know, if if the stimulus has a conclusion at the end, and it end, and the last sentence says, "So Mary will probably get a dog," and you look at an answer choice, and the first sentence of an answer choice says, "Thus Trudell will probably get into law school." You would want to take that that so or thus whatever the conclusion transition word is, if it's at the if it's in the first sentence, just go ahead and drop it to the end of the answer choice argument so that the structure perfectly parallels the original. Because this is some, something that we've talked about a long time ago. If you think about these sentences like they're a magician's cups and you're hiding the conclusion as like a ball under one of those cups, you can move those cups around, you still have three cups. The conclusion still, the conclusion is just relocated. And something that kind of goes along with that, too, is not only does the structure um, of the argument not change just because it's presented in a particular order on paper, you know, the structure, the, the causes still lead to the effects. Similarly, there are other things that, that we want to kind of look at and make sure that we don't view them as non-parallel, right? So the order that it's presented doesn't pull away from the fact that it could be a parallel nor does uh, one sentence having a whole bunch of description after its subject, like cities with healthy economies typically have plenty of job openings. We could find a sentence that parallels that, that says students with study ha good study habits typically have good grades. Now, good grades is a little bit shorter than plenty of job openings. You know, the, the length of the object isn't as long. Um, or in another way, if I was comparing buildings that are in need of repair with just a guy named John, and John doesn't have any descriptive, descriptor after his name, and it doesn't say, like, John who's got a bad knee. If it just says John, that doesn't necessarily negate the possibility that John can't parallel the buildings that, that are in need of repair. So the the fact that a subject does have description after it doesn't mean that it can't parallel to another subject that doesn't have a descriptor or modifier app. Yeah, and I, I, I do think that part of like really sticking to the the bits strategy can really help with this because it, it's again sort of like a a really just like structured way of going through and saying like you know, are the, the modifiers something that um, really, like, are comparable, right? Like, it's, it, it's going to be a different situation. It's not going to be, like, a perfect match 100%. That would be far too easy anyway. Um, but it, it really could have something where um, if the modifiers are comparable or they're similar or they fit in that situation to create the same logical structure, then it works. Um, and if they aren't, then you know, you can sort of throw that answer out. So really just like going back to that kind of key basic of that strategy can, can really help you with that there. Yeah, 100%. And see, just like that, we can make parallels a lot easier for you. 
and I think just a lot easier than, than people uh, thought that they could be. So rather than skipping them, why don't you try doing them and doing a whole bunch of them? If you're following along with our LSAT Boss curriculum, hop down to the parallel video, watch it, watch the homework video, and I show you how you can use your highlighters and underline tools to be able to identify the different parts of the argument or stimulus and the answer choices that match with one another. The more highlighting you can do of semantic matching elements, the better off you are. But at the same time, you don't want to fail to do the MITS analysis, right? So there's an element of semantic matching and finding the subjects and verbs that key up with one another. But we also have to make sure that the modifiers, the intensifiers, the transition words like and, but, and or, and the structural components like causal versus analogy are actually identical. Because causal arguments and analogy arguments, they're not the same thing. And we can't treat them as parallels. And so these this MITS analysis really enables you to see those differences. Yeah, and this is also a really good way to you to check your answer. So if you kind of have gone through and you're really, really stuck on an answer or you really think, you know, you picked out the right one and you're about to move on, a good way to check um, before you move on is to just sort of rewalk through, you know, the the notes that you've just done. Make sure that the modifiers look good. Make sure that the intensifiers look good. The transition work should be the same. The structure should be, um, you know, exactly matched. Um, so it's a good way to kind of just double check your work before you leave. Good, good. All right, we're going to end here with one little myth buster. And the myth is, myth, there are more than 5% openly LGBTQ associates in law firms. That's a myth. Ooh, that's a good one. I know. Are you ready to bust it? Yeah, unfortunately, we're going to have to bust it. And this is just based on 2019 data, but it turns out law students are significantly more likely to be openly LGBTQ than law firm associates. And in 2019... 6.86% 6.86% of law firm summer associates identified as LGBTQ, while only 2.99% of law firm associates did. And so from that, the American Bar Association concluded that if the law firm associates were openly LGBTQ, but the number or the percent of LGBTQ associates dropped by more than 50% that amount, then it suggests that although in law school, students might be more comfortable in a diverse or safe space in schools that we uh, have significantly more limitations to diversity in the law firms. Interesting, on top of that, what I find quite interesting is that there are more openly disabled associates in large law firms than small law firms, which says that when you're an exceptional law student and get into a big law firm, remember these percentages. Remember these numbers that I'm telling you because that means that we're not in a state where we continue to discriminate people due to disability, that the quality of your work matters and that more and more people with disabilities are entering the legal practice and the legal profession. But those numbers uh, are still quite small, less than 1% of all law firm associates, whether in small firms or big law firms, identify as disabled. So there's a trend, there's a growing trend 
trend towards protection, but still these numbers are very small. And I think that's a good thing to think about as we close out this year. I know this recording won't happen until 2022, but as you think about beginning your law school career and your career as a legal professional, think about how small those numbers are, but that disability is diversity and more and more law schools are creating safe spaces to bring in more diverse perspectives into their law school community and also think how important it is to have people that are LGBTQ and people that are disabled in positions of power like in legal positions because when you work with clients who have disabled disabilities and you work with clients who are LGBTQ it's a really amazing opportunity to be able to look up and see a professional who looks like you. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think, too, you know, it, it, it's really sort of evidence of the fact that there's just this, like, gaping hole, right? Like, we, you know, if, um, you know, these are identities that you um, identify with and sort of are part of, you're part of, like, the legal community needs you, needs your perspective, right? You know, to your point. I, I also think it's um, very telling, Shauna, in that statistic that you shared that, the number of summer associates who are openly LGBTQ is actually much higher than the number who sort of return to full-time practice after their summer associateship is over, which I think is interesting. That that sort of is, is very telling that maybe they there's something that they experience that they don't like or they don't feel comfortable in that environment, and it you know causes them to make a different choice. Hmm. Yeah, well, maybe they end up in public service, which is not a problem because we need more wonderful people there that are establishing you know, new laws and protections, especially at the local government level, right? Because that's where so much change happens. For sure, yeah. We're going to finish up this logical reasoning lesson and come back next time. We'll talk about how you can see those those small improvements bit by bit, week by week, and the typical score you're looking for. Bye, Trudell. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye, everybody. I just wanted to have someone to myself. Some things may not always come to plan Sometimes I don't know what to do I just wanna be free Fly away, birds and bees Fly through the trees Right by you, you by me podcast has been brought to you by Ginsburg Advanced Tutoring. Find us on the web at www.ginsburgadvancedtutoring.com.